Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. Like it or not. Like it or not. People oh. are like tuning out now. Oh, man, I downloaded the wrong one. I thought this was Radio Lab. I thought this was WTF with Mark Maron. Mm-hmm. What does that stand for? What the heck? With an F? What the feck? Oh. I probably shouldn't even say that. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, I guess so. Um, if we get censored or get an angry email. That's right. Um, how you doing, man? Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm well, sir. Uh, this is going to be a good one, if you ask me. This 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 goes in with our um, nuclear suite, which is pretty extensive by now. Yeah, we've done quite a few. Steal steal a bomb. Yeah, who won the Cold War? Who won the Cold War? Uh, mutual assured destruction. MAD. Um, what else have we done? Now this one. It seems like there was S- one other one. Star Wars had some nuke stuff to it. Yeah. We, we've done some other stuff, too. Yeah, so this is part of the nuclear nuclear suite, yes, as it were. the very sweet nuclear suite. Um, and we're talking today about whether or not it's possible to detonate, to test, to um, its uh, full extent, apparently. I looked that up. That's not the term. I think Julia Layton made it up. Made what term up? Full extent. Oh, really? Testing a, a nuclear bomb to its full extent, which means not apparently you can simulate a nuclear bomb by putting a bunch of TNT together yeah, and well, going kaboom, yeah. but there's no radiation. Yeah, yeah. But it's really not quite the same as testing a nuclear weapon by really blowing up the nuclear core. Yeah, which we used to do a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, there, there's been a lot of nuclear tests, Chuck. A total of 2,053 nuclear weapons have been exploded on planet Earth, which is a big qualifier. That's crazy. Um, but that was only eight countries that did that. U.S., yeah. Russia. The U.S. had 1,032. North Korea. Russia, 715. France, 210. Yeah, they did a lot. The U.K. and China are tied at 45 apiece. India and Pakistan each had two. And then North Korea had two as well, the most recent one to join the fray in 2006 and 2009. I wonder if the U.K. and China are kind of like, oh, one of us should one do one more, more just to do yeah. it. I could see China doing it over the yeah, U.K. Sure. The U.K. wouldn't do that. Uh, you never know. Nah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, they did it before. <laughs> yeah, but those were different days. But, of course, the U.S.A. leads the pack in detonating nuclear weapons on planet Earth. Yeah, man. By out far. in the desert, out in the ocean. Yeah. Underground, in yeah. the air. Yeah. I sent Josh a video earlier that Jonathan Strickland of Tech Stuff sent me today mm-hmm. by chance. I was like, dude. Really? Yeah. How crazy is it that you sent this? Yeah. And he didn't respond. But it was a- He's uh, a busy man. There's a video on the YouTubes of this uh, these five uh, Army or Navy guys standing underneath- this is one of the aerial ex- detonations of a nuclear bomb. I think they were Air Force. And they were they Air Force, yeah. and they just stood there and and watched basically. They stood at Ground Zero under the hypocenter. It is crazy, and like you can see it and hear it happen, and they're just like 
laughing and carrying on and talking about how awesome it was. Well, there's, so there's five of them. Four were volunteers. The only one who wasn't a volunteer was the photographer. Yeah. They forced him to do it. But yeah, like you see this light go off and there's no sound, but they like kind of flinch. Yeah. And then one guy wearing like old timey 1940s sunglasses like looks up Mm -hmm. and then you can hear the sound. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But that was, um, again, mention number two of Radio Lab. That was uh, Robert Krolwich's uh, blog. Oh, really? Krolwich Wonders. He's one of the hosts of Radio Lab, of course. Oh, okay. um, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I found another blog of his that we'll talk about later. Did I send it to you? Yes. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. I think it topped the first one even. But um, so Strickland's involved. The UK's involved. <laughs> Robert Krolwich has already been mentioned. Yeah. Um. Basically, this is going to be a big, sweeping, enormous, epic podcast, <laughs> if you ask me. Okay. Um, so part of North Korea's spiel after 2006, when it became officially a nuclear state, was that um, a press release that said there was no nuclear fallout from this test. It was totally contained. I don't believe it. Well, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, one of the things you think of with a nuclear weapon is... Radiation is one of the things it's designed to do. Sure. Is not just wipe out a population with the explosion, but to really plague it for generations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, But it turns out that it is possible, depending on the type of test you conduct and the conditions and the uh, if you carry the the two uh, well, then you might be able to conduct a nuclear test that doesn't have any fallout, at least as atmospheric fallout. Is that true? Because I, I didn't even gather that from this. I, I thought, well, we'll get into it. No, it can be totally contained. Oh, really? I, I never drew that conclusion, like, that they have done it and contained it completely. The, okay, then theoretically it can. Okay. I don't know if they if it can, but, like, there's... I, I saw this awesome article on the BBC that even had a, an, a flash slideshow... <laughs> Which is the mark of quality um, that showed how a an underground test could well, be done. We just gave it away. It's the underground test that you can uh, contain the fallout. Oh well. But how it could contain all the fallout. Yeah. And that Korea supposedly went to these lengths to do it. Supposedly. So, um, well, let's talk real quick about what happens in a nuclear reaction, Chuckers. Yeah. Um, I guess we should define a couple of things because um, we're going to be throwing around some terminology that. We might understand, and you might be like, what's an isotope? I, I forgot chemistry from high school. An isotope is uh, basically a different version of the same element uh, determined by the number of neutrons. So, like, if you got hydrogen, um, just a regular old hydrogen atom doesn't have neutrons. If you add one neutron, it's deuterium. If you add two neutrons, it's tritium, mm-hmm. but they're all hydrogen. So they're just different versions of that same element. Okay. Pretty easy. Sure. So fission happens when uh, scientists basically bombard a larger isotope with neutrons, and the collision basically is fission, and it produces like an incredible amount of energy because of mass defect. So like if you were to take, if you were to write out this formula for a nuclear fission reaction, I have, <laughs> and it was like really accurately measured um, all the mass of all the atoms and all these subatomic particles before and after, mm-hmm. you're going to find a mass defect. You're going to find some missing mass. And that missing mass is the energy, which is awesome if you are have a nuclear reactor because you're creating like tons and tons of energy. Right. And I 
guess it's awesome if you want to make a nuclear bomb. Well, it is. What you're talking about is fission. So fission is like when one of those neutrons is picked up by an atom, that additional neutron just splits the atom. Yeah. And that releases more neutrons, which forms a chain reaction. Well, it's, the key there is it reduces... There's only two... It has to release extra neutrons, and there's only right. two main isotopes that can do this. Yeah. They found out, which is uh, uranium-235, plutonium-239. I'm more a plutonium guy. <laughs> are, are you really? Yeah. Um, so they're fissionable, which is kind of an awkward word. Right, but it's not just fissionable because, I mean, hell, we can split an, an atom if you want. Let's do it right now. Yeah. But we're just splitting one atom. The point to this is that there has to be a sustainable chain reaction so that when we split one atom, it causes another atom to split and another atom to split and another atom to split. And as these splits are taking place, um, a huge expansion is undergone, right? It's growing. And supposedly at critical mass, which is like the full sustaining of this chain reaction of nuclear fission among these atoms. Yeah, that's the minimum amount required right. to create that chain reaction. So the at critical mass, um, the number of neutrons can be doubled 80 times a microsecond. A microsecond is a millionth of a second. Yeah. So that means that in one second, the number of neutrons can have doubled 80 million times. That's called, yeah, something special. Yeah. And that's not 80 million times two. That's the 80 millionth power, I believe, isn't it? I think it's so. It's exponential. Yeah. It, so, it's crazy big. Right. You go from something very tiny mm-hmm. to kaboom. Yeah. Where all of a sudden there's a an blip. enormous mushroom cloud. That's right. And how you get that cloud, if you want a bomb, you're going to have two subcritical. Subcritical means it hasn't reached critical mass. Yeah. You have two subcritical but fissionable isotopes, and you keep them separate. That's really key. Yeah. <laughs> And then you combine them with a traditional explosive, and it's all over after that. And remember, there's one of these just sitting off the coast of Savannah somewhere lost. That's right. It's just sitting there. And there's like, there was dynamite. There was t- I'm I forgot sorry. about that. They're, they're not one and the same. There's a TNT detonator yeah. that's just aging terribly underwater. I thought they found it, no? You know? Remember the CIA, this ex-CIA agent yeah, offered, yeah, yeah. A, offered to locate it for a million bucks very publicly. Well, that was a long time ago when we talked about that. Yeah. Seems I think like that was the maybe the steal the nuke one. That was an early one for sure. Wow. So that's another reason to be scared all over again. Right. So, Chuck, um, there's four kinds of nuclear weapons testing. Yeah. At least four that w- we've come up with and carried out so far. Yes. There's a high altitude, space, which I think we wondered, like, what would happen in the Star Wars episode? Yeah, answered right here. Yeah. Um, underground, underwater, and atmospheric. Yeah. Let's talk about these. All right. Well, let's talk about atmospheric. Let's do it. This is the one that I set the YouTube of. It showed a plane flying and shooting this bomb off. It wasn't, like, dropped. It was, like, launched like a rocket and then exploded above these dudes' heads where they could see it. Um, not a good idea. I don't know why they ever thought this is a good idea. Even in the middle of a desert, um, it's going to fall. It's going to rain down what happened up on the ground. Yeah. And whoever's Billy, down there. As Billy Idol put it, it's going to rain hell from above. <laughs> is that Billy Idol? Yeah. Okay. It's the Rebel Yell. Was it? Yeah. I don't know all the words of that. That's a good song. Where 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 does that come? 
Um, I can't remember what. Is that the chorus or the verse? It's the it's the last. Oh, rain help from above. Yeah, because oh, okay. in the midnight hour, man, if you cry, ball, ball, ball. <laughs> it's pretty good, Billy good. Idol. So the scariest thing about when they do these tests out in the middle of the desert is all they do basically is quote clear the area, like right. that's how they prepare the surrounding area for a nuclear fallout. They just clear it as best they can. Which usually consists of clearing like one or two micronations consisting of one or two guys who use like chocolate chip cookie dough <laughs> as currency, right? Yeah, I mean, what about all the animals? What about all the vegetation and plants? <laughs> Stop thinking about them, hippie. <laughs> We're trying to test nukes here. Well, and that's why they do it out in like in the middle of the Nevada desert. Right. Is because they think, you know, like there's barely anything alive out there. Yeah. Still. Okay. Yeah, the uh, ground groundhog or no, the uh, prairie dog populations have been decimated because they were reduced by exactly ten percent. <laughs> Did you see the guy that wrote in about that today? No. He says, by the way, when Josh said uh, factoid and decimate, he's both of them wrong. And I, I had the same reply. I was like, buddy, it's not ancient Rome anymore. Look it up. Yeah. Decimate means a completely different thing now. True that. Okay, as does factoid. All right, so let's talk about. Um, a ground test, the Castle Bravo test. Well, hold on, real quick. The atmospheric test. You said like the, you drop it out of a plane. There's yeah. other ways you can do it. You can also sure. um, launch it via weather balloon. Oh yeah, sure. And you can just put it on top of a tall pole. But basically, an atmospheric test is anything just above ground. You yeah. could also detonate it on top of the ground because it's atmospheric. There's nothing covering it. Right. right? Um, between. That and say about 250 miles. That's an atmospheric test. Oh, okay. 250? I believe so because 250 miles or more is typically the high altitude test. How would they do that on the ground though? It's like get uh, it 249 miles up is what I say. Yeah. I mean, they they were standing underneath the hypocenter. Yeah, that's they true. They dropped two of them on Japan. Yeah. People were a little more reckless with nuclear weapons back then. All right. So the Castle Bravo test? Yeah. So basically the reason we talk about this is things... Back then, at least, they would clear the area for what they thought was going to happen. Yeah. But when you miscalculate uh, and you make an error in your math, bad things can happen, which is what happened in 1954. At the Bikini Atoll. That's right. And that's uh, that's actually where the bikini swimsuit is named after. That's right. There was nuclear fever around the <laughs> world, and uh, some French designer made the bikini in honor of nuclear testing. In paradise. And they said, how about some midriff, fellas? Right. And the guys went, all right. I love the atomic age. Let's screw up this big test. Yeah, so um, basically what they were trying out was a new type of fuel core made of lithium. uh, Lithium 15, I believe. And they had not carried the two and were estimating a six megaton detonation, explosion. Yeah, I saw it as low as four. Okay. So they were off by almost three times. Yeah, it turned out to be a 15 megaton explosion. Yeah. Which means that the blast radius, the the uh, area where it's still safe just from the explosion, mm-hmm. was expanded tremendously or should have been expanded tremendously. Oh, yeah. There was a, a group of Japanese fishermen on uh, a boat that in English translates, the name of which translates to Lucky Dragon. Yeah. And they were not so lucky because they were just outside of the blast zone. And um, of the original blast zone, 
And all of a sudden, all this stuff starts raining down, and like one of them's like sticking out his tongue, trying to taste really? it. It's all nuclear fallout. Jeez. And uh, the whole boat came down with with uh, sickness. And actually, the one fatality from the Kessel Bravo test was on that boat. Guy yeah, I can't believe it was just one. But people had one like direct burns. Death. Yeah, there was a lot of like cancer. Sure, birth defects, second generation birth defects. Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, it was a huge screw up. Oh yeah. To say the least. I got some stats on that. Okay, let's hear it. It produced a four and a half mile wide fireball. Four and a half miles, dude. Uh, left a crater 6,500 feet in diameter and 250 feet deep. And in the end, it was a thousand times more powerful than either one of the bombs we dropped on Japan. And it's still the largest nuclear detonation by the United States ever. Is think, it really? Yeah, I think Russia topped that, of course. And they basically... Just put the device out on top of this atoll and, like, ran away. Yeah. Like setting off a, a firework or something like that. Yeah, that was pretty nuts. Very sad. Um, shall we go underwater? Oh, Ms. hold on. Mr. Zissou? If, if you're interested in this at all, especially, like, the Bikini Atoll, there's yeah. footage in this awesome documentary from 1982 called Atomic Cafe. Uh, I think I've seen that. Or it is, is that a movie? awesome. It's 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 just like newsreel footage, and oh, like okay. basically it's like Cold War nuclear hysteria and um, love and reasons behind the hysteria. But there's a there's a newsreel clip of like the king of oh, I can't remember, but the Marshall Islands basically uh-huh. the indigenous king. Um, stands up and he's like, we're really excited to evacuate our home for you guys to do nuclear testing, so let's go. And it's really just awkward and staged and it's something else. Or were the people all behind him going, did he just say what I think he said? Yeah, they're like, what did he say? That actually sucks. Yeah, so um, it's a good movie. The whole thing wow. is, yeah. Is that a documentary? Cafe. Yeah. I think there's a movie called The Atomic Cafe, too. That's it. Oh, I didn't think it was a documentary. It's a documentary. Okay. It's by two brothers and a friend, a lady friend. Uh, really? Yeah. Is there a person on the bicycle, on a bike, on the cover? There may be. I believe there's definitely a mushroom cloud. I might be thinking of something altogether different. Huh. Okay. You're thinking of uh, t- Fables of the Reconstruction. Oh, you're right. All right. So now, Mr. Zissou, can we go underwater? Yes, sorry. That's all right. Um, underwater is going to have less fallout, obviously, because you're underwater. So that's good. But, and you don't see a lot of this. It's hard to get a lot of information on this, but obviously you're going to destroy any kind of marine life, uh, coral reefs that we've talked about, and basically anything else that it comes into contact with, not to mention fishing villages and uh, basically these these people that depend on fishing to live. Right. Yeah, but, it's, it's not just the... Um it's not just the immediate impacts, which is basically blowing up tons of dolphins and whales and stuff like that. Right. Um, it, it, it has a, a long, sustained impact. Like, think about it. Just from um, Fukushima, that's another one in our nuclear suite, how a nuclear meltdown works. Oh, that's right. Of course. Fukushima, um, th- there's people who, like, won't touch any kind of seafood from Japan now because they're afraid of fallout. Yeah. And whether that's... Correct or not, sure. like at the very least in the public opinion, you can't just blow up a nuclear weapon underwater and expect everything to be okay. Well, yeah, and the economic impact it has on the fishermen, of course, right, is huge. Uh, and the three-eyed fish, like The Simpsons, Blinky, was that who it was? Mm-hmm. And it blinked all in succession, right? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and you just confirmed that it was a bicycle in the front of the Atomic Cafe, right? Yeah, that's Atomic Cafe. All right. I've always wanted to see that, and I never knew it was a documentary. It's very good. I always associate it with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes because I think they came out at about the same time, <laughs> and they both seem to have like the same kind of thrilling poster. <laughs> okay. Shall we go into Outer Underground, or should we save that for last and do Outer Space? Uh, well, let's go underground. Okay. Because this is the winner as far as the only way, theoretically, to contain fully a nuclear blast. But you got to go down really, really, really deep. Like 800 meters deep, which is a half a mile, about 2,600 feet. And for that's, uh, that's a bomb of what size? Uh, you know? I don't know, Chuck. Well, okay, this can put it into, into comparison at least. 300 feet down, you could contain a one kiloton bomb. That's a kiloton. You got to remember that Castle Bravo was 15 megatons. Right. So, yeah, there's some math involved there somewhere. But uh, I imagine 800, 800 feet, you said? Um, 800, 800 meters. meters. Yeah. 2,600 feet. And supposedly, even though they do point out in this article, you never really know until you do it because it can be unpredictable, obviously, in the case of, uh, of the Bikini Atoll. Right. But. Um, it's worst case scenario if it does go above ground, because then it's raining down radioactive soil and lots and lots of radioactive yeah. soil. So um, to to outfit the best case scenario, um, it basically you want to dig this 800 meter, you want to bore an 800 meter hole, and, and you've hit subterranean rock like the mantle of the earth at this point, depending on where you are. But most likely you have, because mm-hmm. you're half a mile into the earth. You put your little Nuclear bomb in there. Um, and it, it says here also that North Korea's done something like four to five megatons. Underground. Yeah. Um, in in the chamber, which is like the bottom of the hole, and you uh, backfill it with like gravel, gypsum, like this composite of all these different solid materials that are going to pack that hole solid yeah. to absorb the shock wave, the blast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that it, it, it can go up, but it's not going to go up very far. What it's going to do is go out. So you set the thing off. Yeah. And it goes out and down. And it actually, the blast vaporizes the mantle of the earth around it, which then eventually, after probably a few seconds, cools into molten rock. Yeah. And after that sits there and stews for a couple of minutes, the, um, cha- the, the hole above it, or the, it can't support the earth above it any longer. Sure. And so it collapses, and then what you have is called a subsistence crater. That subsidence crater, that sorry. That cannot be good for the earth. It's not, but there's, YouTube's lousy with like underground tests where these craters just form. It's nuts. But that supposedly contains the fallout. Supposedly. That's what I hear. That's what the BBC says. Well, we'll see. But that's how, if, you, if you're ever interested, that's how you uh, perform an underground nuclear test. <laughs> if you have a nuclear bomb. And an 800-meter bore. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's got to be some high engineering right there. Sure. To get down there and not have it cave in on itself. And it's not just a hole either, probably. Hey, Kim, Kim Jong-il knew what to pull the stops on. He did? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right, so now outer space, which is one of the dumbest ideas. Actually, they're all pretty dumb, if you ask me. But uh, we did it, and so did Russia, and uh, we would, uh, to see basically if we could kill satellites with nuclear bombs in space. Right. Um, one of the problems is it kills a lot of satellites and <laughs> right. 
possibly your own imported satellites. So they just discovered the Van Allen belt of nuclear radiation around the Earth, and they figured out that if they blew up a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. in the Van Allen belt, they could create an electromagnetic pulse that would wipe out satellites, but it wiped out more than just ours. And it actually created that, this is where we hit Robert Krolwich again, yeah. who apparently shares the same interest in uh, nuclear history, Cold War nuclear history that we do, because this is the second blog of his on this topic. Oh, yeah. But um, I would definitely recommend looking this up. It's called um, A Very Scary Fireworks Show, and it's about this um, U.S., launch of nuclear weapons into space. It was called Starfish Prime was the operation, which is a pretty cool name. Mm. Starfish Prime? Prime is cool. Starfish, not so much. I think it's cool. But they were publicizing it. It was all over the newspapers. It was like, look for a great fireworks display in the sky. And you could see it looked like the Northern Lights Wow! up in space when this thing um, was exploded 250 miles up. Well, the good news there is there's not going to be any fallout because uh, the Earth's atmosphere is going to deflect that. The bad news, though, is like we said, it's not exactly, it's not an exact science. You're not sharpshooting, right? So you can take out all kinds of satellites, and uh, I think there was an electromagnetic pulse uh, that actually can wipe out electrical systems here on Earth, and it did in a big way. Yeah. Um, and then of course radiation in space. Who knows what that means? You know, to yeah. like manned space flights. Yeah. You don't want that stuff out there. Which is strange because I thought there was a lot of radiation already in space. From? Well, just solar radiation. Oh, okay. Um, there's tons of isotopes up there. Man, I, don't even get me started. <laughs> so, is that it? Underground? Is that our consensus? It seems to be the way to go. How about n- no more nuclear weapons testing of any kind? That's that's what I'm getting behind. Me too. Um, Man, there's... Tons of cool stuff on the internet. Uh, if you want to check out those five crazy guys standing beneath the hypocenter of a nuclear nuclear blast, and I think 1952, yeah, um, you can check out five men agree to stand directly under an exploding nuclear bomb. Yeah, on Krolwich's blog. Also check out this very scary fireworks display while you're there. Um, I would strongly recommend Atomic Cafe and Radiolab and Tech Stuff. Yep, yeah. um, and there's this really cool time-lapse video yeah, that was of cool. the uh, 2,053 nuclear wo- nuclear bombs exploded on Earth ever um, by a Japanese artist named uh, Isayo Hashimoto. He's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called nucleartesting.wmv on YouTube. It's, it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's cool. It, it represents them by just little flashes. Instead, mm-hmm. like I thought I was expecting something different. But did you see like it had like, it looked like an old Atari game? Like yeah. Looks sort of like Missile Command. Yeah. But it had the years. As the years tick by, it shows when they were and when and where they're detonated. And it's funny to see the heyday of when they're going off a lot more. And, it's cray cray. Yeah. That is cray cray. cray cray in the heyday. Um, and if you want to learn more about nuclear weapons testing, you can type in nuclear weapon radioactive fallout. It'll bring up this uh, excellent article on HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, I don't think I said search bar. So search bar. And now it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Farmer Garrett writes in. My favorite farmer. Um, Hi, guys. And Jerry, I just want to take this time and say how much I enjoy the show. Uh, Without you, I would not know what to do with myself for hours on end, literally. Uh, My friend and I often find ourselves having nerd rampages 
uh, where we talk endlessly or debate about something you've covered in the show. First started listening when my cousin introduced me to the 10 Strange Deaths podcast, and I was hooked. I uh, immediately subscribed, been listening ever since, and without you, I would be working in silence right now. You see, I work on a farm, and most of the farm work is done at night. Uh, where I live, we have to wait for the moisture to be just right before we can work in the fields. Uh, so it's 2.15 uh, a.m., according to my clock right now, and I'll be heading out to work shortly. So this is from Garrett Massey, and I wrote Garrett back, and I was like, dude, what kind of farming are you doing at 2.15 in the morning? Because I, I don't know anything about farming. And he said, we actually, uh, our family works with corn and hay, and uh, the reason we get up so early is so there is plenty of moisture in the hay leaves before you rake and bale them. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. I start at 2.30, get home around 10 a.m. in the morning. His workday is done. Uh, we live in New York. Uh, I'm sorry. We live in New Mexico. Not New York. Very yeah. different. And it gets really hot and dry here, which is why we have to work at night when it's coolest and most humid. So I learned a little something from that one. And since he brings up New Mexico, that raises an excellent point. Just two days ago was the 67th anniversary of the very first nuclear weapons test at uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico. Really? The Trinity test. It's all coming together. Yeah. Almost like we planned this stuff out. It's crazy. But we don't. Strickland sending that. I know. Farmer Garrett sending that. Mm-hmm. Time. Time. Weird. Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to send us something that blows our minds, we're always looking for that kind of thing. Um, and we're not even stuff to blow your mind, but we're, we can appreciate it. That's true. Um, you can uh, tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us a good old-fashioned electronic email uh, to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?